You're very welcome in season four, episode 17. It's Johnny Ward and Dan McDonald with uh, the old friend of the show, Paul Curry, joining us uh, this evening. And it's a late night pod. We're going to discuss Bohemian's Quest in Europe, which is tomorrow. That's Thursday. And we're going to discuss the departure of Jerry City from Europe. But mainly, we've got to discuss um, one of the most controversial managerial appointments in the League of Ireland in many, many years, that of John Coffey going to go. You know, we also have <laughs> Filippo, Filippo Giovannoli going to um, Dundalk from the US via his home in Italy and we have audio from Andre Wright as well one of the shining stars of Bohemians and what really really looks like an absolute uh, certainty of something of a title challenge this season only two points behind Shamrock Rovers this is uh, episode 17 of season 4 thanks for our new sponsors Land, where you'll find all the odds and special bets for the rest of the SSC or Tristy League Premier Division season and if they keep taking on the dock every week they will be in clover check out lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook and make sure to stay tuned as we'll be giving out some of their LOI specials during the show. And you can find us at Podcast Public, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and at LOI Weekly on Twitter in association with their sport and independent.ie. And thanks to everyone who listened in uh, last week. We had a really, really strong response to uh, the post on Dog stuff. But Dan, um, that, that, that was like, what, that was a week ago. It may as well be two years ago with the state and the pace with which ha- things are happening uh, at your local club, uh, that of Dundalk. Can you tell us what's going on? Can you, can you furnish us with details of any of this madness? Yeah, it's not, not quite my local club anymore, I guess, technically. But, mm. um, oh, well, I mean, I suppose last week we, uh, we probably alluded to a lot of stuff. And, um, like, the rumour mill probably goes into overdrive a lot of times around League of Ireland clubs. And, you know, pause there. We know, it, we know it's a pretty... Uh, pretty dysfunctional league in its own way. It's a pretty quirky league. I think a league with the employment contracts, uh, you know, variance between clubs and and so on. Like there's always a degree of instability and and uncertainty around the league. That's sort of the default setting. Um, but I really think you know some of the stuff around to talk at the moment is is probably going to another level, a very different level to what we've experienced um, in the past, really. Um, like, you know, it's, it's one of those ones that um, often you, you're told to be very sceptical and suspicious about rumours, but I suppose anything anyone has heard about them, Doc, and, and stories going round, I mean, they should take them all reasonably seriously and consider that some of them might be possible, because they might be possible. Um, and I guess it's all coming out. I, you know, James Rogers, local journalist, had a, a big piece the other day. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I had been and am working on my own one uh, for Saturday, which is going to be a substantial enough uh, piece. And you know, I'll, I'll probably be able to talk a bit more freely next week in a way because I'm, I'm still sort of, I've been speaking, hammering the phones. I guess speaking, I have to say, speaking just to a lot of different in, people. I, 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 I have felt very, very sorry for you because you did have um, you were you would be what I would consider a pretty hard working journalist. I think Paul will attest to that. Um, and Paul, he kind of gets a week off for the first time in twenty years, and then all this happens at Dundalk, and just you can't switch off from this. You cannot. I don't know. I don't know what your time off Dan was like, but I imagine your phone was pretty constantly kind of by your side, and you were checking this because how can you avoid this stuff? It's just so nuts. Yeah, and no, I was up. I was up in Belfast for a couple of days, all right, and trying to uh, trying to get a break from it, really, but not 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 especially. Um, it's not exactly great for your travel companion, but. 
Um, you know, at the same time, the story wasn't going away either. You know, it wasn't as if, um, like, you know, James's piece has dealt with a lot of stuff, but there's just plenty more, you know, there's, there's plenty more to come. There's plenty more ongoing. Yeah. It does seem that what went on in the last couple of weeks in particular has been overdrive. Stuff that's been bubbling for a while um, in the background, but it's become pretty serious. And we, we have discussed it and Doc take over uh, on this show numerous times in the last couple of seasons. And I know from the start there would obviously would have been people uh, shouting from outside and, you know, with good reason given past experiences that their clubs had, had suffered, that this will all end in tears eventually, etc. This is what happens. And uh, I guess, you know, I've always tried to not be naively thinking it was going to be different, but at the same time, you know, you, know, you, you did get the opportunity to speak to some people who were around and very much involved who were quite positive about what was was going on, what the plan was from America, what the commitment was. Um, and sadly, a lot of those people are now gone, um, and that's been one of the that's one of been one of the major developments. Um, you know, you, we would have had someone like Mike Tra- Tracy uh, on the, the podcast before. Mike hasn't been around since the end of of last year, and that would be one of the the main turning points from everything I understand, um, because there might have been buffers there between say, you know, the dressing room and between the ownership. And, and what we've had is a situation that all of a sudden you have the father of the, 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 the ownership company, the ownership group founder, billionaire, Matt Hulsizer, his dad being involved. And around this time last year, again, this would have been the first time the bill would have been around the place. And this was viewed as a massive positive because a lot of people who thought it was going to fail, their main viewpoint and what was going to go wrong is that these are going to be faceless investors who are completely detached and this is they don't give a crap about this and yet what's actually happened and i did touch on this a bit last week actually that there's almost been too much interest too much involvement that this has become something of a like uh oh is obsession a strong word but yeah obsession on one end but on the other hand maybe a bit of a a play thing too there's two ways of looking at it's it that, it's that it's, it's mad what you're saying Dan so what people were really afraid of um, is now almost something that they would like pine for where they wanted to make money and they wanted to run the club prudently because the people I've spoke to now are very very worried about what direction the club is going mm. at the behest of a guy who's clearly gotten an awful lot of influence as we will hear from uh, the infuse as well later on yeah like it's it's gone just it's you know we may end up in a in a very bad situation, but not in the way that people thought that it would happen. They thought that there would be a cold cutting of ties at some point. Whereas now you have a situation and like the important thing to stress here as well is that we've had owners, ownership models or outside investors in the past who like weren't the real deal, you know, who, who didn't really have the money they claimed they had, or they were front men for other people. And, you know, it was all a bit of a, it was all a bit of a dubious thing going on. Like these are the real deal in the sense of their wealth. Like they are, like they are, they are a very wealthy company. Uh, they do have money. Like you know, this is the fact. It's just that how they are, um, how they are managing things is is not going well. Like in some respects, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be that hard to fix. If there was a more hands off approach, if there was you know people appointed on the ground you know, to manage their investment, but it appears that the investment has gone to another level. And of course, yeah, there's frustrations. It's very hard to make money in the league. It's not as easy as to break Europe as you think. And I'm sure all of that is a turnoff and all of that would be in factors in whatever 
may happen. But the problem at the moment for a lot of people is that there's too much interest, that it's not a case of mm. let's leave this investment, let's appoint someone that's like, like, you know, Mike Tracy or someone who was designated to deal with this. Now we have a situation where you have, uh, and no one has denied this, um, that you have the chairman having a direct uh, line to the dressing room, trying to contact people about the team, not being happy with the team selection. Um, and you've had a situation as well, I think, going the other way out where players within the dressing room may go to the chairman about stuff. Um, and that is when you are balls. You're, you are screwed. Yeah. And we bring in, uh, bringing yeah. in Paul, our, yeah. our football man here as such, but it's, Paul, it's this like... Is, it's, this is bonkers. Okay. Like, um, you know, it's, it, when you look at Vinnie Perth's kind of... Where Vinnie was last week, um, the, the longer this week since has gone on has put Vinnie in, in a much better place because obviously, as Dan was alluding to last week, there was so much going on. But um, this has just unraveled so quickly and are changed in terms of the narrative of who is running Dundalk. And also, what, what worries me... And there's a larger story here in that Bose can now point to what's happened at Dundalk and say, this is why we want a community-run club that isn't really for profit, because Dundalk are well on the way to alienating their local support, if you ask me. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't go that far, but... I oh, you ag- have to. You have to. Well, I'd agree with what Dan has said initially, anyway, in regards to, you know, it's, it's a recipe for disaster with regards to the level of interference from the non-playing side of, of the club. And anywhere you've seen that, whether it be in England or abroad or on the continent, it always seems to end up in disaster. And um, I feel for Vinnie Perth because it seems as if he's, he's had to juggle complications that Stephen Kenny in previous years haven't had to. And I think when you point to Stephen Kenny and Vinnie Perth's sides, when they've been good, everything's just been really steady. Um, the, the consistent players have been super consistent the, the recruitment seemed to have been good there just seemed to be a really solid feel about the club and they were qualifying um, for Europe whether that be Champions League qualifiers or getting into the Europa League group stage or even just progressing in Europe there just seemed to be an mm-hmm. element of consistency and sturdiness about the club and um, when results weren't going their way and when they got knocked out of Europe was I surprised that Finney lost his job Probably not. Uh, I would feel for him. And did he deserve more time? Of course he did. But it did have a feel that a change was coming. Now, when you put into consideration all the things Vinny's had to juggle and all the influence that has come from outside, you would then start to wonder and you would start to ask questions about was the drop in performance down to, I guess, things happening outside the dressing room or were players upset with, with different... Um, bits and pieces that were going on around the club and it's just a bit it's a bit sad because they've been such a leading light in the League of Ireland and they've they've been a model that of performance anyway that a lot of clubs will have looked to to uh, I guess get to because they've been the bar setters so it's just it's a it's it's a bit of a mess at the moment and um, with peak six there and the influence that they're having it just seems that they're too hands on involved and it's just hard to see how that ends or, or, or who they put in or where the... Yeah, it's, it's, it's troubling. It's, I, I, the one thing I would say, like, I don't think the other clubs in the league will probably believe their luck, really, because mm. the Dundalk have won five, particularly Shamrock Rovers. I mean, Shamrock Rovers have been trying to bridge the gap to Dundalk in many respects, and they've built and built and built and built. 
you know, but we still saw that game in Tala earlier in the season, which could have gone either way. But I think, you know, it, it reflected that Rovers were, were, were getting the upper hand. Um, but you, know, you, you felt Rovers still have to work for it to get to the top of the tree, you know, here to, to overcome them. You have a club here who's won five leagues in six years. Still, like, that's a fact. Like, that's on the record books. And basically, themselves have shot themselves in the foot. You know, and, and like, you know, nobody else but them is to blame for what's happening here, regardless of, of he, sa- he said, she said about what happened and so on. And like, you know, there's obviously a lot of sympathy for Vinny. I don't think people realize some of the stuff uh, he's probably had to deal with. Um, I honestly like cannot believe some of the things that I've heard. I really mm. just cannot believe it. Um, you can't believe them, but they may well be true. Um, I, I mean, do you know that whole journalistic mantra? If you hear it from two sources, if you hear stuff from two sources, you know, it's strong. You know, there's particular stories I've heard that I've, I've gone to four or five people and they're all like, nope, that's, that, that just about tallies. Um, you know, and now the one thing I would say is that I think, uh, some of the commentary around it and 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 what's going on, I'm I'm, I'm not sure it's entirely 100% accurate. I think Vinny probably made mistakes um, in terms of how he was reading the room uh, in terms of some stuff that was going on around the club. I think this would probably, I think this should possibly be his main regret in the sense that last year you had a situation where uh, the, the 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 now chairman. Uh, was becoming more influential, um, but wasn't actually appointed chairman until I think December 28th. But he, he was around the club for, for a good po- period of time before that. Um, and I think Vinny around that time believed that, 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 that the chairman at that point was his ally um, in other stuff that was going on. Um, maybe other people around the club would have had different opinions around players and, and whatnot. And, and I think... I think um, you know, Vinny probably would have viewed the chairman as someone who was on his side probably around that time with, with decision-making. But in doing so, um, it probably led and created to the situation where then all of a sudden, uh, you know, the, the, the chairman had a, a line to the dressing room and was involved in discussions and you get that balance right. Now, listen, maybe someone, it's just inevitable that was going to happen anyway. But I think that that will... That will, and, and, and ultimately the fault with that is with people who own a club should have the sense to know that this is the football side. I'm not from this background. But I guess how that situation came to pass, a lot of people left and, and, and uh, fault lines, you know, or sort of buffers, as I said, were, were, were removed. You can and, write a book on this, Sam. And that was and that was a problem. As well, I've I've ha- I've written half a book already. I need to cut back. Uh, I've three thousand words done for Saturday already, and I'm not finished. So just um, I have yeah, to so, just cut, to, cut some of it to, back. So we'll to, we'll talk about some of it again. To bring I think. back Paul in again just before we listen to Filippo. A couple of things strike me at the moment. Dundalk on present form won't get into Europe at the end of the season. Their form has has absolutely you know nosedived and. How this will work out uh, with the new management is anyone's guess. Secondly, when they play their game in the Europa League, there'll be a large, large portion of League of Ireland fans who won't want them to win. Quite simply, will not want Dundalk to win, will want this to fail and want it to fail miserably because they will feel that this is an absolute car crash. Yeah, I think on the league form, you would still like to think that given the quality that they have in their squad in, in comparison to some of the other teams, that they will find a bit of form, I guess. 
the timing of that's going to be important and they're going to need Nine to get, games left. Yeah, they're going to need to get results under their belt ASAP. But I still do think that given the players and given the experience they have, I, I can't imagine they're going to, you know, pull out a performance like they did out in Sligo again. Um, I would like they've to... They've had like four or five of them in a row now, nearly, or thereabouts. Yeah, they have. But I, I think maybe one good game and one good performance could resurrect them and might just bring a bit of spark back back to the squad. And I think, you know, I was just speaking to Dan offline, irrespective of, of who's kind of at the mantle, you would like to think that when they step out on a on a pitch 11 v 11, they do have more quality. And I think they will get results. I'd be very, very surprised, Johnny, if they didn't get a European spot. Right. Um, now, with regards to Europe and people not wanting to see them do well, yeah, you, you will probably find uh, there'll be a large portion of people who won't want them to do well, given what's happened. And people will side on Vinnie Perth, who we have a lot of sympathy for. But I would still like to see them progress. I think as a league and in terms of our coefficient and in, in terms of actually, um, I guess, creating our, an identity for ourselves in the Euro, on the European scale, we need to be progressing, progressing through rounds. So I would like to see them do well I think people will still have uh, a loyalty towards the players who've been at the forefront of the League of Ireland for the last five six seven eight years and will not want to see them I guess suffer more poor results particularly in Europe so I would like to see them go through and I think there'll be probably be a proportion of people who will also feel the same way about that. Mm. Dan what was this press conference like? Yeah so today I mean it's it's funny you're saying there about um how you know people a lot of people want them to lose and i mean i see where you're coming from with that but i actually can sense in the last 24 hours there's a sort of a um not a turn but there's a there's a there's actually people who are who i think irish people sometimes unless unless it's phil hogan or someone uh irish people are generally they they if someone gets a lot of grief they suddenly start to turn around towards wanting them to do okay and i think with filippo not not with the dog as a club but I think with Filippo Giovagnoli, who whose appointment like came absolutely out of left field. I know that I, I've written about this this week. I mean, they, they tried to speak to Robbie Keane. Uh, Mark Kennedy broke down in negotiations. They were offering a lot of people the job. They needed someone in a green list country if they were going to go outside. My understanding with Filippo is that there's a connection between Peak Six and the Junior Football Academy, the Metropolitan Oval that he's been involved with in the last eight years uh, in New York. And um, that's where it came from. But but naturally enough, like it came out initially that they were appointed two unknown Italians. And there's a lot of like, uh, you know, Super Mario and like Italian stuff, which, you know, a bit borderline the territory, well, and, like and some, the some of it, without being too, uh, without being sort of virtue signaling too hard here, you know, some of it was a bit mm. like, well, you know. Mm. But anyway, um, they were brought in and, Again, I know that, again, initially a lot of people were like, who are these guys? These are academy coaches. You know, they coach kids, they coach summer camps. They brought in people from the cool camps in, in GEA. You know, it's like, it's like they've sort of, um, they've, they've just, you know, they've, they've dropped some, picked up someone who, who, who sort of is from the school run, you know, like that's their, that's their sporting involvement. But, but actually, um, as people have heard Filippo Giovagnoli speak, I think they've warmed to him a bit more. He's um, he's got a bit of a like he, he has worked in football all of his life and he's communicated his ideas and I guess although he did tell his friends it was a, a kamikaze mission initially like I think people have almost warmed to that as well too that he's sort of arrived in um, and and he spoke at length today so I don't have the, the 
picked out a couple of clips from the, the this is the, the press conference today towards the end with the newspaper guys. Uh, so you hear the odd question at various stages. Um, he, people would have read by now, he did say quite firmly that he will be his own man when it comes to team selection. This will be his decisions, everything that happens, I guess. You know, time will tell about that, but of course he's going to come in and say that. He's not going to come out and say, of course, I'll be very open to anyone ringing me 10 minutes after the game to tell me who should have played, or maybe even during it. But but the 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 first element that we'll cover here is what is the simple, simple question of what did he actually think when he got the phone call to say that this was an option for him? I was surprised. I was home waiting my visa to go back to New York and do my job. But, you know, I am a person that uh, I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm quick, I'm fast to, to change even my mindset. And I start to think I, like I was a manager, just change. I, I learned that when I, when I left Italy to go to work in New York. And in New York, you gotta, you gotta go fast. You gotta make a decision fast. The, the city is really fast. And my job there is really complicated. When you work with the in an academy and you are a director with 20 coaches to manage and you develop people and you have 400 family that they want that their kid is becoming the best player in the world trust me you have pressure you have pressure like everywhere yeah. here you have fans there you have parents you have a federation you have affiliation you have and you are there and you lead this process and this the same thing if you do well they keep you there in the job if you are not doing well you go home yeah, yeah. it's the same thing what, what did Bill say to you? Excuse me? What did Bill say to you? What he said to me? By Bill, yes, like in terms of... Well, he called job. me and we start to we start to talk. It was this opening here. And he would, they, 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 they tried to understand what kind of man I was through discussion to stuff. We had long conversation in two, three days. I, I mean, I spent maybe hours and hours at the phone with them. And uh, like I said, I think the club appreciate the fact that I will start to working like day and night from there and show them that I was really interested to the job and then start to give them, okay, I watched these games at this minute was like that. This is the tactical situation. This is what probably we need to do. This is the player. This is the player that I like. This is the player, you know, I was giving them information, a lot of information. Maybe this convinced them, my excitement, my willing to get the job. I don't know. I just, I'm just thinking. So then, lads, uh, another area that he covered was, I guess, the simple point of how he intends to get his message across to players and how he, you know, he, they've, they've already trained now for a couple of days, but, but what was he expecting the reaction to be and how was he going to get a reaction from the players? The only way that we have here to convince the player and, and, you know, when you go to the pitch, because at the end, what is important is the pitch when you go to work with them and what you transfer with them. And when they work and they, they understand that the work is good and they, they understand what we are doing, what are the objective of the day, what we are doing, we are improving to do that. When the message and the information are clear, then the players, they start to collaborate. That's the, and of course I'm having a lot of uh, individual meetings to yeah. understand their character, their personality. I'm taking information from staff about their yeah. personality, their character, how we have to talk with the players individually, with the group, uh, in the office, outside. This is all details that make yeah. the difference to know each other, you know? And, and do you, is your sense from those 
individual meetings that the players accept and respect the fact that yeah. you, you are a, a good yes. opponent or can be a good opponent? Yes. Okay. We have good feedbacks. Okay. How, how did you assess, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've watched all the video of all their games so far. How have you assessed them dog that you've seen on video? Um, well, I saw a team that, you know, was, is clearly, is clearly better than the other teams that they were playing. Uh, for example, even the last game, you can see clearly the difference of quality in between the teams. But sometimes when you lose confidence, when you have, then even the, the information, the technical and tactical information that are coming to you start to be confused. Players, they make a mistake, they start to be frustrated, they do too much run or less run. They, they, there is no connection, tactical connection in the team. This is what was happening, I think. Uh, so we, we are trying to rebuild this kind of confidence, but with a tactical and technical understanding of the game and what we are our objective to achieve you know, the success. There's more than 12 players, I think, out of contract, 12, 13, 14 players out of contract at the end of the season. Do you have the authority to speak with players about new contracts, to offer new contracts? Because these players will have offers from other clubs. No, you know, of course. They're worried about their futures. Do you have any input? This is really a good question. The only way that I have to convince them, if I'm going to get the job again, is through the work. And, and uh, of course, if I will be here, I will do... Everything is in my power to keep them there and to make them, you know, stay with another contract. You know, the, uh, I um, the, the last job I was developing players. So today I had a conversation with one of them, and they said, "Listen, is one of the key players of the team. I'm not going to say who, who it is, who he is, but." And we had really good conversation, and and he told me, "I'm really enjoying this. You know, I'm really enjoying what we are doing now," and he said. And I told him, listen, this is not only about win games for me. This is also develop you. I want to, next year, you have a better contract. You, have, you can give your family more. I, I want to see you develop and be a better player. This is also my character. This is what we do to live, develop people. And when the players, they feel that, that you want to help them, then they come with you. But because we are honest, we want to really do it. This is how we, we get this job. Paul, just on just on that that one there for you. I mean, you've been in the dressing room scenario, I assume, quite a few times when a new manager comes in and they impress their ideas. There's even been this debate even about Stephen Kenny and how Ireland players will receive him, you know, a different level, but you know, his first training session, how important it is that you come in and you get the tone right from the start. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, I, I know the players initially were like, what the hell's going on here? But well, it does appear that they've gone in there at least and they have some kind of idea. Like, you know, what, what, do, what do you think? Like, how do you think a group will respond to that? Yeah, I think it's a strange one. Like, I wouldn't have had too many managerial changes during my time, particularly in the UK. But what I do remember is even little training sessions and people coming in and you would have had people who were doing their pro license come in and take some sessions who were quite close with Dave Jones. And I remember one day, Robbie Fowler came in and automatically... He has your respect. Automatically, you're looking at this man. You're thinking he has done something in the game. Mm. Uh, going to be tuned in. I'm going to be alert. I want, you almost want to impress him because he's got such a big pedigree. I can't believe now, you got Dave Jones in as well that you had the opportunity to mention your old nemesis. <laughs> we won't go into that one. <laughs> but then you flip it and you've got somebody who's 
completely unknown to the league, not just the league in regards to global football, who has essentially done nothing. Like you're talking about coaching kids camps. It would be the equivalent of I was down at Belvedere and me getting a job in the league of Ireland. It would be, it just completely out of the blue. And I think from that point of view, I think he's got to, he's got to grasp the attention of the players from the get go. You know, there needs to be uh, intensity. There needs to be a sharpness. There needs to be a structure to the training whereby the players go, okay, he knows what he's about. And he, he is putting on sessions and he's, I guess, speaking about the game in a certain way, the players will not only pick up on it, but they'll also respect him. And I think that's so, so important from the start because if somebody who comes in and they haven't any sort of pedigree within our league and then they start throwing on these sessions that have almost no link to how the team play or to the players, I think you start questioning after a while, who is this joker that we've brought in? And that's not to say that Filippo is a joker that he's brought in, but because he's so little experience, I think in order to get the respect of the players, you need to really grasp their attention from the start. And I guess from his point of view, he's probably coming in at a time where there is an opportunity there because the players have been listening to the same voices, particularly with Vinny, who's been there during Stephen Kenny's reign, who would have been t- taken the majority of those sessions. If they've been hearing the same voice and they've been doing the same sessions, it does become a bit stale. And I thought mm. that reflected a little in their performance is that it looked stale in the way they were playing. There wasn't that vibrancy of the Dundalk team. And that tends to, you know, you train as you mean to play. And if training isn't right, it's very unlikely that the, the, it's going to be right on a Friday evening. So from his point of view, he, he's got to get the respect and he's got to get the attention of the players from, he, from the start. He, sorry, because like he's talking about... Um... You know, double sessions. He's talking about, uh, you know, the day off. I think is gone for the short term as part of like periodization, which is like a big uh, modern sort of term that is used about sort of preparation. And I think it's tar- I think a lot of this is target training towards the Europa League game because I, I think that's really what it's all about um, for them. Again, what are players thinking when they hear that? I can un- I can understand that, and I've. I wouldn't say I had this debate with people previously before, but like in the UK, when you're full time, you're four days on the pitch. Here, you really only have three. Mm. Um, so, in order to up the amount of time you have on the pitch, uh, I can I can see the justification around that. Now, what you're doing is you're taking away the midweek day that a player typically has off. When you start changing people's routines that they've been used to, and that has won them trophies in the past. That can also raise questions. When I was playing uh, in the UK, a similar Italian and people used to avoid the club like a plague. You can come in and the manager says, there's a team in, one take you in alone. Swindon, Pelo Di Canio, people just go, no, no chance. <laughs> you know, I have no day off. He's got you in from nine to five. Players don't like it. They just don't like it. They're, they like getting home. They like having their recovery. They like almost sticking to the tried and trust. And that's not to say that's right. But when you've got experienced professionals and experienced pros within that Dundalk dressing room, if you're bringing them in nine to five and some of them are commuting between Dublin and Dundalk, days tend to become long. They come a bit of a drag. Your energy levels are nearly coming down. You're almost saying, what is going on here? Mm. So that might throw a few question marks as well. But he might actually, he might get a bit of a spark because it's, 
it, it's going to be a change. It's going to be different. And it's only a short period of time. The longer that tends to go on, the more it, it tends to drain the player. So I can understand it, but I can see why there might be question marks from certain people who would like their days off. Yeah, of course. Just the last clip. I know you say like he's, he's done nothing. And I guess that's like an, an adult men senior management. But I actually didn't necessarily... like He did play lower league football in Italy for a certain period of his life um, a long time ago, you know, a long time ago. But he, he spoke a small bit about that and actually a small bit as well about coaches he admired, including uh, Rachel Sarri, who, ironically enough started off at a very low level, was a part-time banker. Sorry, he was a banker and part-time footballer and coach and worked his way up all the levels in Italy. So I actually asked him a small bit about, like, is Sari someone, a sort of an inspirational figure? And he had a bit of a connection there and also mentioned that, unbeknownst to us, he'd actually uh, played alongside a future World Cup winner uh, when he played in the lower leagues in Italy. He's a guy that, you know, deserved what he did in his life because the knowledge, because the study, because his, you know, everyday work and, and uh, but sometimes, you know, you do well, you win a league and then they fire you. You see in Juventus this happened, but listen, it, it's, it's happening and, and, and you have to accept that. Can I just ask you, when you're playing career, yeah. were you semi-professional or professional when you're playing Series C? And- yeah, I play semi-professional and then I play professional because Series, but you know, even when I was playing Semi-professional, it was professional because in Italy, you know, if you play in four division, you are professional and the teams are really good, trust me, and especially when I was playing. And then when I play in third division uh, in the Serie C, even there, teams were, you know, were, were, were good. With, I play with uh, Barzagli, with Tavano, that then, you know, many, many players that then, they were young when they were playing with me, but then they got a big career. It was and the, same, the same club as you, was it? Or, or against them? Barzagli. No, 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 in the same club. Barzagli, the first time they played centre-back was with me. Oh. I was moving him like a baby. You were looking at <laughs> Yeah, but he was really good. So he owes everything to you. Yeah, he was really good. What club was that with, Filippo? Rondinella. Firenze, Florence. Florence. What, what type of defender were you? Like, what type of player were we I was an animal. I, I was... <laughs> I was, yeah... I was, was yeah. I, yeah. I was a killer. <laughs> if, if if I if I reborn, I wanna I wanna born here in Ireland. I would play. You know, he was telling me today, you were perfect for this. You know, you were working with the defenders here. You know, big, strong, fast, fighting. You know, amazing, amazing. Yeah. Is it fair to say, Dan, that Italians are very easy to warm to, and like you know, he just they just have this nice manner about him, and I could even <laughs> sense from the interviews that like. The journalists there were kind of warming to this guy as it went on. Yeah, and I like he definitely had a he has a blunt sort of style and speaking about how he was an animal as a player and he's a centre half, you know, he's he's one of these centre halves, you know those centre halves that like to talk. You can tell he was one of those. And he had his assistant sat next to him, uh, Giuseppe Rossi. He's from the same mm. small village as him, ten years younger than him. But when we were asking uh asking uh, Filippo there about his own career, what type of player he was, like his, his mate was laughing, sort of suggesting, yeah, he was a bit of a, you know, he was a bit of a, a talker on the pitch and a bit of a, a character. So, yeah, like he, I've been trying to send people out and they seem to say he's very confident. He's not, he's not coming in sort of cowering because he knows, like he sort of said it himself, he knows no one really wants, he knows the players wanted something better. He knows the fans wanted something better. 
um, you know, he maybe had to sort of be diplomatic around what he did or didn't know about what people think of the ownership. But like from his perspective, I mean, I, I sort of do have some sympathy for his point. Like he did play the game for a long time. He's ended up going down a particular road. There's loads of people probably in, you know, who are football men in inverted commas who, who never get a chance to go down the road. And he, he might be thinking, well, all of a sudden now he's got, whatever happens, even, you know, even if it doesn't go well, he's got three months of men's senior management on his CV. And yeah, he could, get, he could be gone just as quickly. I think you know, that's still the more likely scenario. But even if he goes back to the States, you might suddenly find, God, you've managed in your upper league. It might open some doors. And at least even players, like, you know, a few stories about how he played at a certain level. You know, he's like, if he should have something to offer, Paul, I don't know. I'm sure at least the defenders, at least if he's out there, they're thinking, yeah, you can tell stories about Berzagli and how he played with him at the start of his career. It must carry something. Or are players just going to go, uh, whatever? I think you're probably going to look to his most recent experience. And like, I, I listened to the press conference and he mentioned, you know, that the high standard of quality of player that they have and they're sending somebody over on trial to Atalanta. And I just think, oh, you know, mm. that's, that's very, very far away from men's football here in Ireland and what you're going to be up against. And communicating with kids, from my experience, is completely different than communicating with a full-time professional who's uh, living is made in the game you know this is serious stuff and and dropping people and leaving people out of teams you're, you're now having to manage big personalities and you're having to have conversations that you just don't have to have within an academy of course he's, he's got some playing experience but it's not exactly extensive yeah so say if, say if out of contract players as well like out of contract yeah. players which i mentioned is, which is a big problem they have there if you have 12 13 14 out of contract players and a manager who's chances are isn't going to be around barring a sort of a dramatic event. But this is where they fall behind too. Like mm. this is the point where the dock normally would be moving on, you know, the, the, the players you should be snapping up from other clubs around the league. Your Dara Leahy's last year or whoever, whoever it might be. And the players at the moment, I don't think, from what I'm hearing, I'm not sure they're going to be committing to the club if the club is even willing to commit to them because they might want to bring in, you know, players from a horrendous level of the collegiate system in America. But like, this is where you lose out. It's actually, this is the time. And I think, I think Paul's, there's players now who are wondering about their futures and they're, they're going to need more than positivity, I guess. They need, they need something mm. more, don't they? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, from, well, from one uh, manager coming from America to a manager who was actually born in America, John Caulfield. I briefly, Paul, what did you make of uh, the appointment of John Caulfield's returning to football in the shape of Galway United? I thought it was good. I, listen, I think John is somebody who always speaks in a positive manner about the league, and he's somebody who, I guess, doesn't just talk the talk. He, he's got a bit of action. He's got um, some impetus behind him, particularly given what he, he did with Cork. Like, when I was playing in the league, Cork weren't exactly a huge dominance. And by the time I'd come back, they were very much on a par with Dundalk in regards to pushing them for, for titles. And um, I think if he can do anything similar to what he did with Cork with Galway, uh, it's going to be a positive appointment. But in, in regards to just people that you want to have in the league and people who you want to be back involved with clubs, I think John is, is certainly somebody uh, who we like to see back now. I'll be perfectly honest with you, Johnny. I haven't seen Galway in a long time. I don't know what the state of the club is like. I don't know what sort of 
uh, team he's going to be operating off. But uh, he's definitely somebody who I would see as having the potential of taking the club forward. He's an impact manager. I think he's an imp- mm. To me, John Caulfield is a bit like a, you know, sort of a, the Pat Dolan or the uh, in hurling Davy Fitzgerald or someone. Someone who comes in is really intense and demanding and maybe... You know, at the end in Cork, it was it was just it'd been a long time there, and it's almost what 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 Paul was talking earlier about how things can turn stale when they've heard the same voice for a long period. But I think he's someone in the short term who could come in and energise the place. And normally, though, that'd be a company. We spoke about this last week by a big crowd coming to his first match and all this. It's very different now. You have to motivate yourself and and lift yourself in different ways. But the real question about this is, Johnny, how does Paul think? What do I think? What do you think? Because well, let's hear from John Caulfield first, who actually oh. uh, spoke at the press conference. No, 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 no. You're fudging that question, Johnny. But we'll, we'll let, let's hear from Caulfield. But we want to hear your thoughts straight out of him. Really excited, really delighted to, to be in Galway. Um, I always uh, see Galway as a sleeping giant. There are a number of clubs uh, in the country in League of Ireland that are, in my eyes, are very big. And um, over the years, when I played. Many, many, many years ago, Galway were always a huge club, and I know in recent times things haven't haven't been um, going as well as everyone would have hoped. But certainly, I'm I'm here, hopefully, to release the potential of this club. There's a massive, massive job ahead. Um, you know, the potential is in a lot of very, very good young players coming through. Um, an enormous amount of of players. If you look over the last ten years from Galway, that, that have played. Outside of Galway, and uh, you know, I need to work on getting back to a local team, um, working on the areas around Galway, Mayo, Roscommon, Clare, those areas where there's players who aren't playing with the club. So there's a there's a big rebuilding job to be done, but in the immediate, you know, we have to we have to finish out the season, and I have to look at the quality of the players that are there and um, who I believe can bring us forward and and who can't. So, um, but certainly. Um, there's a lot of restructuring, but you know I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm quite clear in my head what I need to do, and um, you know obviously I wouldn't be here if I didn't think I could bring success to the club. But at the same time, you know we need everyone. Um, any any success that I've ever had anywhere has been because the people around me, backroom team, have been phenomenal, phenomenal really loyal. Um, the support has been phenomenal. And uh, you know you need everyone to be positive. You need everyone to to to, to row in. Um, I'm no genius. All I ever do is I just work incredibly hard. And I believe if you if you work hard, you have a chance. And um, you know that that's what I'm going to do. And um, I, I'm building a backroom team at the moment. Um, obviously, uh, Colin Colin Fortune is going to stay 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 with me till the end of the season till he see how th- he sees how things go, which is great. Um, Johnny Glynn who's doing a phenomenal job at the academy. Johnny's going to become part of the um, the, the first team management as well. And um, Luca, the goalkeeper coach as well, is going to be there till the end of the season. And I plan, I plan to, um, by the end of the week, just to have um, everything confirmed at that end. Don't forget to visit lotteland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you will find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE Airtricity Premier Division. This week, Lotteland is enhancing a treble for the FAI Cup. Shells, Wexford and Derry City from 15-2 to 9-1 to and they're also boasting, uh, boosting Bowes outright in the Premier Division. 
5-2 to two to 3-1. to one. That's available until September 4th. Oh, 3-1 to, to win the league. It has been that sort of the season. Finally, next week, Lalan is giving a 5-euro free bet to new and existing customers for the Ireland v Finland Nations League game. There are parallels between Galway United and Dundalk in, in, in the sense that both have had absolute shockers of seasons, really, compared to the budget and expectation. And I, I think Galway United were favourites, if not thereabouts, to win the first division. Eight games in, they five points from eight games and, uh, you know, could have been bottom of the table had that loan won a recent game or two. Um, and this is all unravelled quickly. And I think the board, in fairness, were like, as you said, Dan, impact manager, um, I'm not sure when John Co- like I heard John Coffey's name mentioned as a potential candidate for the job before Alan Murphy actually left. So I, I don't genuinely know what was going on behind the scenes, but um, John is, he has so much enthusiasm and passion for the game. And as you said, as Cork, as, as Paul said, rather, as Cork went on, you know, things kind of did, you know, fade away a bit. That happens with a lot of managers. He will come in and he'll give Go United a bump. And there are 10 games left and they're 12 points off who are in second, and they're 14 points off the top. So what they're hoping at the moment is that they finish in this mad season, that they finish in the playoff positions. There's every chance of that. And being honest, I think John Caulfield will get a response. But one thing that shouldn't be... Um, John Caulfield is, is by, far, by no means my favourite manager. I didn't really like uh, Cork's style of football, um, but I don't really care, to be honest, if Galway United play a similar style of football and have, have a lot of goals like they did when Sean Maguire was there. But what should be mentioned here is that Johnny Glynn, who's um, obviously gone back, would, would have known John from his playing career and all that, they'd be similar enough age, has had an unbelievable time on a personal level with his daughter, you know, going missing uh, out at sea and all that very, very recently. But he's been drafted into the, um, to the backroom team of the first team. Now, I would have loved to see Johnny Glynn as manager going out at, uh, at some stage. And when he was at Merview, the calibre of players that he brought through Merview, I'm thinking Gaffney, Hooban, Conor O'Malley, um, you know, and that's only to name but three. All these players came through. I think he'll have a big influence. The problem, Dan, is basically 10 games left. John can't get any bump from the crowd. Shelburne at home would have been a great start in the Cup Friday. Um, but he's gone in there. He doesn't. He, he has to work with the players he has. And I think he will have a, a response from them longer term. I don't know. I don't, think he's, he's a, I don't think he's really a modern manager. But I think if he has somebody there maybe to help him on the coaching side and slightly with a good cop, bad cop element of it. And Johnny Kinn is, Lynn is most certainly a good cop. Maybe this will work out. So to answer your question, I don't have a, a, the foggiest idea how this is going to work. <laughs> well, that's you know, that's an answer, I guess. But I suppose you know Johnny Glenn is to the Italian lad to be jo- jo- Johnny <laughs> Johnny Glenn's not Johnny Glenn is must be feeling an incredible liberation at the moment that anything is possible, really. So you know. But to be uh, like, can you can you put yourself in Johnny Glenn's? It, no. Like, and if if you, it, it's impossible to even suggest personally how he is feeling at the moment and it was put to me you couldn't give this job to Johnny Glynn at the moment he couldn't take it because he must be mentally in a really really stressed place but uh, on the flip side of that I would be like get back into it get back on the training pitch and it's exciting Paul it's Johnny Glynn and John Caulfield an absolute legend of Galway United and to be fair a legend of Cork City in the League of Ireland and you know without using the F word here, he always scored against us. I do remember that. He's like the modern day Gary Shaw, always scored when he played against Galway United. Hopefully that will be reversed now and he'll actually always get players to score for us against the opposition and maybe we'll go up the table. Yeah, sometimes you need a strong character, I think. Mm. Uh, particularly when, when, you're, when you're managing a club with the expectations that you expect Galway to have within the first division and with some of the players that they have there. 
maybe sometimes I feel that it's just a bit of structure that you need to put around the place, around training sessions, around just even formation and, and managing situations within a game. I think John brings unbelievable experience from that side of things. Mm. Um, and maybe he's not going to be the most hands-on on the training pitch. And maybe he's not going to be uh, tactically astute or more as astute as maybe you're looking for, Johnny. But what I do think is John will bring results and results will move Galway up that table. And but they have, like, yeah, they, they have Colin Fortune still involved and Johnny Glynn. Um, yeah, so I don't know. Ho- hopefully it works out. But it, it adds an awful lot of intrigue to, you know, these cup games at the weekend. Um, but before all of the cup, um, you know, there's been Europa League combat. And I have to say, Der- uh, Derry City have disappointed me a bit, Dan, because I didn't watch this game. But, you know, by all accounts, FK Ritzeroy were there for the taking. Lost 3-2 after extra time. And these were two sort of deflating defeats for the League of Ireland clubs already in Europe. And yeah. Derry City have had a Derry City have had a pretty poor campaign, it has to be said. Their points tally is poor. Um, they've given away an awful lot of goals from set pieces. And by all accounts, this is one that got away as well. Well, yeah, but like they've also been one of the better sides in the last couple of weeks, Johnny, in the league. Mm. You know? so that's why it's kind of worrying. Like I know I, I'm not getting after you, but it's like you were saying last week, you were listing all the teams that would have beaten Selji, like Selya. Like just like I mean have beaten them. I, they wouldn't have not fucking chance you know like, like you like you listed shells and all these teams like shells who were nil all draw away we have to we have to get real we have to okay. the, the only way you progress is the league right if you are if you are realistic about where you are because otherwise you don't you don't progress right and like okay there's one-off games in europe you can go a bit mad analyzing them. look at celtic have lost tonight um you know, uh, there's a couple of other sort of surprising results. Celtic have lost the home to Ferencvaros tonight, which again, like, you know, you bows are up for have a tough job ahead of them, okay? But I guess, and I do think that Derry would have beaten that team over two legs, having watched a good bit of the game, um, you know, two all away after 90 minutes, bring them home. I think they probably would have done the job, but that's whatever. That's sort of mm. very hypothetical. They did miss Figuera and Jack Malone, two, two important players for them. But still, they're not good results. And like, you know, they are bottom of the Lithuanian league. I know there's only six teams in their league, which means their battle for Europe must be interesting because more get in than don't. So it's one way of lifting your standards if you've, you know, sort of 66% of your teams in Europe every every year. But like, you know, the, the middle ranking of our league, the middle rump of our league at the moment is not strong. Like, it's not strong at all. Like, I mean, Celia pushed Mulder tonight. There's not a hope in hell our clubs would have uh, really like beaten them. You could say, you know, they might have had a game against them, but they wouldn't have beaten them. You know, you, like, and that's why we didn't actually mention Rovers in Europe at the start of the show. And there's a lot on them, I think, in Europe because I think that they have all the attributes to do well in Europe. The dog should have all the attributes. The dog are almost like a different parallel debate at the moment. Mm. The rest of our sides, I mean, I really hope that Bows, that are very well coached side, they're up against it. Like Bows should probably lose. Really, like I hope they don't. But and it would be harsh to maybe put whatever happens to them into some big overall thing. But really, like that, that, those middle rump of sides are just are are just not that good at the and moment. Also, yeah, and, and, and like and that's. A problem, and, I, and I, I think I think you might agree with me, Paul, from previous discussions yeah. we've had. I don't think the depth is there at all. Just what Paul was saying in that, in in relation to Dundalk, you know, coming into Europe and and getting into the top three or four this year, it's kind of bolstered by the fact that it's hard to name any team that's going to go on a consistent run because they are much of a muchness in behind. Yeah, like I, 
I would have had a bit of a text with Dan before the European campaign started, and I actually didn't. I didn't fancy any of our teams outside of Rovers. Um, right. I I thought Dundalk get beaten. I I'd seen Derry when I was up with the Air Sport crew when they played Shamrock Rovers, and I I didn't think they had any. Uh, they had none of the ball that day, and that doesn't tend to bow quite well when you go into Europe. And they looked leaky at the back too, so I didn't. Mm. Find them. I think bows just from a, a pure strength and depth point of view with, within their squad in regards to European experience. I think would probably be the only reason I wouldn't say with bows. I actually think their game might be quite well set up for that fixture because they they tend to soak pressure quite well, and they've got good legs further up the field with Twardek and. And Danny Grant that can get in behind teams and cause teams who like to have a lot of the possession trouble because they tend to favor a technical player over somebody who's actually got good physical attributes. So I actually think they have a chance, but um, I, I just think as a whole, and, and going back to the league, outside of Rovers and Bows, it's it's hard to look at anybody at this moment in time and, and say that they're oozing quality or they're oozing class on a weekly basis. And that would just that would worry me a, a bit. Um, it would worry me a bit in regards to the wedge that can be, I guess, put in there even more so than what was there previously. Let's uh, hear from Andrew Wright, Dan, because you spoke to him before the game. Yeah, I spoke to Andrew Wright at a press day. Uh, Bowes had a press day on Tuesday before they travelled to Hungary. Okay, Andrew, so how do you feel about European football? Um, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be the biggest game I've ever played in, um, personally. Probably the most exciting game I've ever played in. Mm. So it's just a new experience for me. How is the preparation then? Because obviously I know you're new enough to the league, but every League of Ireland team you play, the players will know each other, they'll know the opposition, they'll know the strengths. How is the preparation for this one being then when it's you're, you're sort of watching videos, I guess, and trying to learn about a team that way? Yeah, um, I think I think it's no, no different. Um, even though we know the players and we know the teams here, we still go through the same, same process, watching videos, um, analysing the opposition. So... There's no difference in that respect. So how are you enjoying the Bowes experience? Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's been good. Um, as you can imagine, the team's constantly oh, yeah. feeling good. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it. What was it how is it compared to what you expected coming over? Um, if, I'm, if, if I'm being honest, I had zero expectations because um, I wasn't 100% familiar. So I just took it as it came. And as it's come, it's been really good. Yeah, but like, what we like, when the call comes or the Irish option comes up, like, what's what do you what are you envisaging? Like, what are you what are you seeing? Um, um, a lot of rain. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of rain, but um, not much really. Um, I expected good good quality because from my time at West Brom, we had a lot of um, Irish boys come over. And like, they were really good, so I expected no no different coming over here. Who would you have played with there? Who um, I would have played with Robbie McCourt, um, Dara, um, Dara O'Shea, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dara O'Shea. Um, Zach Zach Albazetti yeah. in that time as well. Yeah, yeah. Zach Albazetti was on my team as well. So yeah, so like there was a few that come over that that I was familiar with. Yeah, but like you, you've come into a club, I think, are you living with a Bose fan at the moment? You were put into a, like, you know, there's, 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 there's quirky aspects to coming here. Like, how have you actually found that side of the transition? So you're put <laughs> in with, just Stephen, I think his name is it? Yeah, um, I'm actually enjoying it. I think it gives it that, um, that, that much of the culture that um, comes with Bose as well. Mm. Um, that, 
quirky nature that you just mentioned and just everything about it just gives it a lot of character so it's nice yeah because i assume i know it's a bit different to share closed doors but like those in the last couple of years their community work they've done the friday nights here like does it there's been a different vibe around the club that people have spoken about like the uh the Bohemians gin and all the sort of uh, hipstery stuff, that, as it's called. Like, how have you actually found being involved with a club that's a bit different than um, your, maybe your average loan move you might have had in the UK? Um, I, um, I really like it because um, I think every player likes that the the fans are so involved like, with the team and then it makes um, playing at home even more personal. So that adds to the atmosphere, that adds to how you want to perform for the fans and, and do well by them. Because you're like you are house sharing with a fan, right? So, yeah. I mean, you can't really avoid it if the results are are, are bad. No, so I can't exactly um, have um, have a poor game and then, and then go. Home. Yeah. And then expect, expect anything positive, but yeah. So I'll just try and just like do the best like for the fans because they're so involved and they're so so passionate about the club. What did you, what have you made of the actual level of, of the football itself? Because you had like subsequent to West Brom, I know you played loan at various levels and you'd gone from club to club and. Like, I don't know, have you found the actual football challenge here? Um, I think I, I think that the football would um, surprise uh, a lot of people back in England that playing. Um, I, I don't think the league gets enough credit for the quality of the players, maybe, or the um, amount of coverage that it should back, back in England, but um, it's very underrated and I think it's, um, the quality is good mm. and um, it should get its appreciation for that as well. Because we've seen in the last year a lot of players have actually come into the league from the UK. I see Derry have signed quite a few and there are guys looking for a chance. Like Maybe people in Ireland don't realise sometimes how competitive it is in the UK as well yeah. to get that run of games. I mean, is it a, is it a case of being open-minded to try and, and come somewhere different to, yeah, to get your career going? Yeah, definitely. Especially um, back in the UK, it's really um, cutthroat nature. So, as you just said, it, it can be difficult to cement, cement your place in a team. And then you can like really limit yourself to by staying in England of way you can actually go. So by coming here, you you can open yourself up to loads loads of different opportunities. How have you found the different range of characters in the the Bowes dressing room, the, the Keith Wards and the Keith Buckleys who sort of like know know the game here very well? Yeah, the Keith Ward is the main one, the real <laughs> the real char- character in the dress true dressing room. But yeah, they've both made me feel at home. To be honest, yeah, it's been good. Yeah. Um, I know that this is a European week, but you're going pretty well in the league. I mean, is the manager allowing people to talk about the possibility of, of challenging for the title? There's, there's nine games to go now. It's not like it's um, not like just 29 games to go. Um, I don't think it's about whether he's um, allowed us. I think the focus from the team and the staff has just been on us. So um, just taking it game, game, game by game, trying to improve game by game, and then wherever that takes us, that takes us. But we, we can only focus on us improving each week. Uh, your friends and family back home, are they keeping up with your... I mean, are they on the Watch LOI service? Or are they able to watch your games? Or what do they yeah, make um, of The streaming service has, uh, um, has helped a lot, actually, because um, as you already you know, like, not every game's um, shown, of course, yeah. um, shown on TV, so the streaming service has helped like, them watch like, nearly every game since we've been back, so I'm happy for it anyway. Like what have they made of your your move here? You know, in general, um, they're happy that I'm happy. I, I think I think that's the main thing. Yeah, it's going good. It's going good, and they'll be watching tomorrow, I assume, or on oh, Thursday. Yeah. Sorry, in Hungary, oh, like, oh, like oh, European football is another 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I've, I think everybody's going to be watching that that game in front of the TV back home. Yeah. Good stuff. Listen, best of luck. Enjoy. Yes, thank you. This is a player I have to say I like. I just really like this Bowes team because as you're kind of both you're alluding to. They're 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 not really the most flashy of teams, but they have lots of pace. Work seriously hard, and for some reason, I really fancy them to put it up to a team I know very little about. I just think they're very well coached. They know their opposition inside out. And Andrew Rice to me is a player that. Could do well here. He's really strong, holds up the ball well, and he must be like he must be really, really dying for an opportunity like this as well. I know he's kind of a quiet lad, but he's yeah, impressive he's, on the pitch. He does his talking on the pitch, I guess. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah, like it's it's you know they are a very well managed and, and sort of coach side, and, and Paul's explained it far better than than me. You know, in the sense of why they have attributes that are suited to Europe, and and their so called star man Danny Mandrew hasn't really featured this. No, season. he hasn't. No, and like and Talbot hasn't played either. You know, like he's mm. made decisions, and it's bizarre. If it was normal times. You know, if it was normal times, then Dahl could be going straight to, to Keith Law and Trevor Crowley, wouldn't they? You know, realistically. Mm. But Farhavar, who they play, um, they're, they're formerly Videoton and they've had a sort of variety of names. Six Hungarian internationals, two from Macedonia, one each from Serbia, Romania, Ukraine, uh, Bosnia, Georgia, Cape Verde. Although, hey, Roberto Lopez, Cape Verde, Roberts is one of them. Um, and I think they have a, one of the Brazilian Olympic players who played against Ireland in Toulon last year. Mm. So, and they're very, very heavily funded club linked with the, the government or the, the leadership there. So they're up against it, but, you know, closed doors, 90 minutes. Like, if you're a well-organized team and it's a one-off tie, like, you know, you've attributes. They have a new manager. They're only two games into their new season and haven't played that well. So you could be right. I mean, no one expects anything from them, really, aside from what they expect of themselves. So we, well, we, we know, also spoke like we spoke about Twardick and Danny right Danny or sorry Danny Grant. Um, but is this a, a proper clash of left versus right? Bowes being the left and obviously the Hungarians being the right ball. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do they have a gin over in uh, Fervar? <laughs> Listen, Paul's family are l- lashing into that Bowes gin as far as I know. So he's in no position. <laughs> he's in no position to have a go at them. They're lashing in those season tickets as well. There, there seems to be more every week. But I think the players will fancy themselves going over there. Mm. Um, you know, given their, their recent performances, and I think they'll be more than comfortable to not have the ball uh, and just let, let the opposition have it and just soak up the pressure and stay in the game. I guess the one thing that I would say with Bowes, and it's, it's going to go for all the European ties, is the first goal is going to be so important. Um, and if you look at Bowes' form, they haven't scored an abundance of goals. So if they concede first and they almost have to come out of their shape, you could find that they maybe leave a few holes that they haven't previously had to do so. But I always think that when you play in Europe and you play against these really technical sides, I think people like Danny Grant and people like Chris Twardek, who can carry the ball and you can get at fullbacks. Can really, Yeah, it's just raw pace and it's, it's kind of gone out of the game because everybody wants to play the same way and everybody wants to own the ball and, and dominate possession and go through the thirds. There is absolutely nothing wrong with soaking up the pressure, letting them come on to you and just hitting them in behind. Get it into Andre... Um, Andre Rice and let players play off him and get runners off him and try to get in behind and who's to say that they won't nick a goal and if they get one ahead purely based on confidence and how few goals they've conceded the likes of Cormac and Casey have done so well in recent weeks that they'd fancy themselves so they can go in yeah. and they can have a bit of a shot at it but um, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult 
That, like that, that, that's the other thing as well. Like we would, we always talk about, oh, uh, you know, Dundalk are well set up to to do well in Europe, and these Irish teams who pass the ball are well set up to well in Europe. But like Dundalk have basically run aground in terms of scoring goals away from home in Europe, even with very good players. It doesn't necessarily mean just because you can pass the ball, and it's not that Bowes don't pass the ball, but they have two wingers with really, really good pace, and mm-hmm. I give them a chance. Shamrock Rovers, Dan, I watched them against um, Shells at the week the weekend, and. Um, you kind of come away from it thinking, both have a chance in this title race. And it did make me a little bit less confident about their chance. And they really should probably be confident-ish of beating the Finns. But at the same time, I thought mentally they looked a bit ropey in the second half. They kind of started arguing among themselves a little bit and didn't really create that much ultimately. Yeah, no, like they're definitely they're definitely not motoring along. Um, and obviously the situation, I think Gaffney got off injured and you know, they've lost Greg Bulger and and I still think they should be fine in this tie, really. Um, you know, without being able to impart much knowledge about Tampa, but they're sort of mid-table and yeah. in, in Finland and, and the Finnish league results have been not great in recent years. So you would think, you know, the team that's our best side at the moment, you're going off the league table um, at home should be, and more so the players they have. It's not as if they need to adapt what they do, you know, Dramatically for this, you know, they 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 have the players. Jack Byrne is a bit of a point to prove, I guess. He's missed out on the Ireland squad. I don't think he's been at his best um, since. Talk about back injury as well. Yeah, you know exactly, and and maybe there's a few niggles and 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 bumps and bruises there, and it's a short term season and, and so on. There was a moment in the game on on um, on Friday when um, one of the shells players sort of pushed him in the back. And he, 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 it was a foul, but there was no foul given. And he sort of started feeling his back uh, for quite some time. And he was, he actually had a decent game, but it, it just, the body language wasn't that great for him. It was just like there was something carrying him in terms of physically or mentally. Like maybe so. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, um, I'm sure he'll talk about it again at, at, at some stage, but Jack came into his own in the European games last mm. year. I mean, Jack got back into the Ireland squad off the back of how good he was against Bran, I think it was, uh, whereas our, our old buddy Kevin Calvan, I think, was there and, and parted the message back that uh, how good he was um, to, to Mick McCarthy, I think. And like he 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 was Rovers' star man in a lot of those European games. Like you know, he he made and I don't I'm not sure if he scored, but he certainly made a lot of their goals in he Europe. Scored against Bran at home. He did yeah. score against Bran, yeah, but. Um, set up like five out of the other six. So, so he's missed that. out in the Ireland squad. I think, you know, Stephen Kenny said it was close. Um, but I think maybe even his form coming into it probably pushed him the other way. So he's got a bit of a, a point to prove now. And like at home, it's a game they really should be looking to win. We are probably into overreaction crisis territory of what's happening with our league if, if Rovers get knocked out at home yeah. to a mid-table finish side. I'd be pretty deflated if that was the case. Paul? Yeah, I, I don't think we'll see Rovers as poor as they were against Shells. And I know Stephen Bradley came out, out after the Pats game and said they were really good. And I kind of had question marks about that. I thought they were good with the ball, but they didn't create anything. And I think mm. you're actually studying, if you look at the way they've been playing, you've, you've got too many people coming to look for the ball and not enough people running in behind or running off Aaron Green. And what's happening is you almost have Gary O'Neill anchoring. You've got Aaron McInef coming towards him, Berkey coming towards him, Jack Byrne coming towards him. And you've just got no threat in the final third. And if you actually look at it, Neil Farouge has beaten uh, his fullback a, a few times and his delivery hasn't been brilliant. 
on every occasion, but even when the ball's gone in there, you've got like one player in the box and you can't expect to score goals in that manner. So I think I think that'll be shaken up. I think where's Graham Burke playing then though? Like why why isn't he in the box for that? Because like I don't I don't see why he needs to be overloading in midfield with everyone else. Yeah, you see Jack and and, and Berkey and Aaron and even myself when I play midfield, you want to be on the ball. You always want to be involved in the play, and particularly the way Shamrock Rovers play. They go through the thirds. It's it's very um, distinct in the way they do it. Like They want to own the ball, and they want to dominate, and they've definitely got the players to do that. But you still have to have a threat in the, in the box. And they didn't have that against Shells, and they didn't have that against Pats, I, I felt. And teams are going to sit off them and they're going to let them have the ball. So they're going to have to come up with more creative ways. And the way you do that is you need to have runners. You need to have people who are going to be willing to even just break the line with a run to drag somebody out of an area to free up the likes of Jack. Because when you get Jack on the ball in time and space and he's got people that he can thread in, then they're a real force. And I would be surprised if you saw them as poor as they were against Shells. Mm. And I think, uh, I think with the quality that they have in their team, I think they'll win this game. I, in, in fairness, Dan, like you're kind of, if 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 you're a little bit, um, you know, bows are obviously definitely outsiders, fairly heavy outsiders. There's a huge onus on Rovers because the league does not need at this in this trying times. It does not need all four teams going out in Europe. And if all four teams going out, Rovers will have failed because they should really be getting through here. And um, even though they're top of the table only by two points, and there is a title race there. Just going, if Rovers, yes, been, well, I mean, if that's it. If Rovers, if Rovers, if, I don't think it'll happen. But if Rovers and Bows lose. There you go. Dundalk are the last team standing in Europe. Mm, yeah, Felipe, which, Felipe's yeah. achievement in in the in Monday's draw. Dundalk, the only side. It's like you know, stick that in the CV. Last surviving <laughs> Irish side in Europe, 2020, 2021. Uh, the results from last week, which to be fair, do seem an awful long time away. Derry City three, a pretty poor Cork City team one. Shamrock Rovers nil, Shells nil. Bowes very routine win over uh, St Pat's two nil. Did the left back mean it? I don't think he did. It was quite a blow. Anto Breslin. Yeah, don't think Breslin, but you know, you can sort of. You, you can. I, what do you think, Paul? I think he's been really, really good. I think he's a really sweet left foot and he's slotted in there. Like you would hardly notice the fact that Darlie has stepped out of the side. Yes, he yeah. is. He's really, he looks a player. And in fairness, the, the piano man, Paddy Kirk, it's not like he's a bad player and he can't get a look in. Stryker Rose 3, Dundalk 1. We haven't even really had time to talk about how utterly inept Dundalk were in that game. Watford 2, Finn Harps 3. Dan, um, catching it on the old uh, live stream. I only got the last 10 minutes. Abs- that was enough. Absolutely. perfect. I, I, I now think it was like the 1970 World Cup final in terms of like iconic <laughs> games. But apparently I'm told the other 75 minutes was shite. But uh, yeah. the, what I saw was 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 damn good. But, but what you Ali have now, Horgan, Dan, is... Dun, 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 Sligo are now ahead of Pats, right? Sligo are ahead of Pats and Derry. And Cork are sort of four points off the likes of Pats and Derry. Harps are only four points off them, Shells and Watford. This season is utterly bonkers. Yeah, I mean, I think if you if you go into analysing the league table and what might happen in depth... Now, we have a bit of a break now with a cup weekend and... Mm. We'll see whether call-ups affect games the following week. So, but for, for, you know, it's a one or two week break from the league for people. But yeah, I mean, really, like we had Alan Bennett on for a very positive chat last week. And then all of a sudden you look at the table again and, and uh, uh, you know, Cork are bottom. You know, Waterford are not finishing games strongly. A lot of, you know, they're missing Brian Murphy. They should have Darren Murphy to come in at some stage too. Yeah. But like, uh, and John Chardon, by the way, clarifying that he didn't, he, he, he's, he's seeking to clarify that he didn't actually say 
uh, that it was a pub league, uh, that he was saying that a player was playing like a pub league player. Um, and it's a bit, again, different versions of events. But everyone seems to love beating Waterford for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, and I Roland, feel sorry like, for the big man. Like, Ronan Colin, like, was, uh, was doing Top a celebration. Player. Ronan Colin's been terrific as well. And you player, mentioned, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned pace in, in Europe and, and whatnot. Like, bloody hell. I remember putting a the, the dog, that's, a, that's exactly the type of player the dog should have. Yeah. I remember putting up, when he signed for Cork, I remember putting up a tweet saying, watch this lad for Cork, he's going to thrive. And he did absolutely nothing for Cork. And he was one of these players, again, who didn't thrive at Cork, but has gone on to good things elsewhere. In any event, at lone nil, Shamrock Rovers, uh, second team, four. Cabin Teeley nil, UCD three. Absolutely shocking result there. Uh, throwing the whole first division into some sort of a, a wide open madness as well. Galway United nil, Bray nil. Another valiant draw for Galway United. Wexford nil, draw had a three. Cove two. Longford nil and um, just kind of honing in on that madness of the Premier Division the first division has now become an official basket case as well the first the FBI uh, Cup fixtures the weekend Athlone v Wexford Galway v Shells I'll be at that game Drogheda v Derry Bray v Finn Harps Cove v Dundalk um, that'll be intriguing I wonder what the Italians will make of St. Coleman's Park UCD Sligo uh, Shamrock Rovers Cork City and Bowes Cabin Teeley. let's be honest they're not incredibly uh, interesting games Drogheda Derry beat my Highlight, lads. Paul, any game that stands out for you? The, 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 the prize for winning this game, by the way, any, any teams that win, of course, is the last eight of the Cup is in November. So your season is extended mm. if you get through this round. Uh, and uh, they've, they've obviously tweaked the prize money. So, like, you know, it's not as if players are going to be... I was going to say players are, you know, it's going to delay their holidays, but what bloody holidays, you know? So mm. um, I think actually players, to be honest, would love the purpose of their season continuing so absolutely all, all the clubs that get through this one which isn't so bad really maybe that it's a spread out draw in terms of there's no like marquee games because we're going to be maybe looking for big quarterfinals and semi-finals you know to to, to give us something when the season ends because we've a long enough break so i'm marquee looking forward games. to having does anyone remember what a marquee actually looked like well, it was like the tent of the Galway races, but we've been, yeah. you know we can't talk about you probably have a marquee in clifton golf club would you if you thought about it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's it's um it's been an interesting. You weren't there, uh, Paul, at the Clifton Golf Club dinner. No, you, <laughs> you move you move in high society. None of your family were there, Anthony. No, there's always some reference. To no family in this show. Yeah. Yeah. It's a cheap. It's a it's a cheap pop at this stage. There's nothing cheap about Paul Curry or his family. No chance. Yeah. Nothing cheap about um, it. Our thanks again to our sponsors, Lotto Land, where you can dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting. Also check out the top SSE electricity and Euro, European qualifier markets at lottoland.e forward sportsbook. Paul, thanks a million for coming on. No problem, guys. Good to catch up. And it's been, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been entertaining, Dan. Who knows what will happen in the next week? Who knows? We'll be, well, next week we'll be looking forward to Stephen Kenny, Ireland, Bulgaria as well as other things. So we will, we will talk about that then. But there are